goal for the Irish at the timeout. Williams, right to the right side. Powers to the end zone. Look, low snap, picked it up, takes an end zone shot, and finally, McKinley goes up and gets it, and it is a touchdown. Welcome back to another episode of the Golden Homers Podcast with your hosts, Mason Plummer and Nathan Erbach. Welcome into the Golden Homers podcast. In this episode, we are talking about the 0-2 start to the season and how and why Notre Dame is in this position. It's gut check and reality check time, but also time to move forward starting this weekend against Cal. Notre Dame has a new QB1 in Drew Pine, and the Marcus Freeman honeymoon is officially over. What's next for the Fighting Irish football team, and is it salvageable? All that and more. I'm Nathan Erbach. With me, as always, is Mason Plummer. Let's dig into it. going on Irish fans here with you on Monday after Notre Dame unexpectedly lost to Marshall and I feel like I say unexpectedly in a uh, in a way that <laughs> we mean it sometimes sometimes we maybe say that we don't mean it as fans but in this case we do mean it uh, welcome into the Golden Homers podcast I'm Nathan Erbach here as always with my co-host and good friend Mason Plummer oof Mason I, I this is going to be an interesting podcast for sure interesting episode probably one of our more interesting episodes that we've ever recorded just uh you know, obviously coming out of the Ohio State game, morale was actually pretty high from the fan base. They they lost. They were up essentially going into the fourth quarter of that, of that game. Offense didn't look great, but the defense overall w- was outstanding for, I guess, for lack of a better word, um, which maybe we'll get into a little bit here. But um, I guess before we get into too much of the nitty gritty, again, I'm, obviously I'm Nathan Erbach. Um, I'm going to throw out the Twitter handles and stuff here before we get going. Um, Nathan underscore Erbach. You can find Mason at Mason Plummer underscore. Obviously, wherever you listen to your podcasts, Apple, Spotify, Stitcher, you listen on Anchor. That's great as well. Um, go ahead and support us. Shoot us a follow. Shoot us a rate and a review. Um, support us in any way you'd like. Um, but we're going we're gonna to be here for, I think, for a little bit today with you guys. Uh, call it a therapy session. Call it, a, <laughs> call it anything you want. Um, but we're going to, we're going to break down some stuff and, um, I guess Mason, before we get too much into it, uh, how are you doing today? I know, I know both of our weekends got a little bit better because of the NFL, but how are you doing in general on this Monday? Yeah, it got incrementally better just because I care about Notre Dame astronomically more than I do about the Pittsburgh Steelers. And that was a wild game, but it, I can't even explain like the levels of like how much I don't care about the Steelers compared to how much I do care <laughs> about Notre Dame I think those levels are closer for you with the Bears but um yeah good to see the Steelers win it makes and my fantasy teams did well but I would trade you know both of those for a Notre Dame win which should have been comfortable in 20 and a half point spread so yeah. talk about disappointing I you know this, we thought this is gonna be a get right week um both offensively and defensively go figure some things out um put your put your foot on their throat you know go score 40 50 be feeling good going into Cal, you know, uh, this mini homestand, uh, really get the morale going high, getting to wear the green jerseys. Nope, you're going to go out and embarrass yourself and lose. So uh, lost the turnover battle, 3 or 4-0. Um, didn't really have anything great offensively, pick sixes, you name it. So poor tackling, missed assignments, just all of the above. The recipe for an upset loss is exactly what Notre Dame followed. So um, super annoying. Um, before I forget about it, um, the, the thing that potentially annoyed me the most was don't ever be the guy that when your buddy's team loses, don't text him or blow him up. Like, especially when you know how much they care about something, 
that's just the worst. I'll never be that guy because I hate the people that do that. Uh, this has turned into a little bit of a rant, but that's kind of how the last, you know, what 72 hours have been. So uh, mentally anyways. Yeah. I mean, unfortunately, I think for people like me and you and some other people that we know, there's an investment that goes on in this that some people don't realize. Like, I don't even think my wife really realizes it if we're being completely honest. And and it goes like kind of going back to what you said about, you know, how you're not maybe as invested in the Steelers as I am like with the Bears per se. But even then, it's like, dude, we have a podcast. We have we, we have a group chat that just essentially talks about Notre Dame football and, and other, you know, I guess other Notre Dame athletics. You know, we, me and you both have Twitters that essentially only talk about Notre Dame football. It's not like, we, yeah, there are personal Twitter accounts per se, but they're 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 not really. It's really there to talk about Notre Dame. And, you know, it's 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 built into our lives in this sense. And so it is different. So like as much as I love the Bears and I love the Blackhawks and honestly, even the Cubs to a certain extent at this point in my life. Notre Dame football and like talking about Notre Dame football with with you and, you know, some of the other people that I talk to on a regular basis, it's essentially like an outlet for life. Like if I'm having a bad day on the outside looking in like that, that it's an outlet for me to talk to you guys about it. And obviously I think that goes hand in hand with this podcast. So, um, but no, I, I had the same exact stuff that you had. I had one coworker that I laid into a little bit who, uh, who said some stuff to me. Um, after the game. And um, other than that, though, I, I guess I didn't really hear too much from people. I had some people text me like tough loss, sorry, blah, blah, blah. And I guess that's a little bit more respectful. But yeah, let, let's get into this game. Um, one of the things I wanted to mention specifically was just the I, idea. I that, yeah, yeah, go ahead, man. Um, one more thing to add to that, you know, like the level of like caring or whatever. It's gotten to the point. It's been a while this way for you, but specifically for me, I remember like we either covered or I in-depth remember all of the recruitments of the kids that are on the team now. Yep. So it's just so it's like, you know, the level of investment or whatever you remember these guys stories and everything. And then just to see it, like not fall apart, we're two games into the season, but to see them like go down and like, I don't know, it's, it's a whole different level of like, it's not just dudes on the field. Like we have personal relationships with, with the players themselves, their family, you know, whatever. It's just, it's a whole different level of like disappointment, I guess. Yeah. Yeah, I know. And then I, and then even just from the fan perspective, like you mentioned, like the investment, like I know the roster through and through, you know, the roster through and through, even if I don't have a personal relationship with some of these kids, like I have a, like, again, just an investment into their, almost into their lives. <laughs> it feels like sometimes. And uh, so obviously certainly disappointing. I want to get into the game a little bit here or just the, like, I guess maybe the, the O and two start specifically, like where, where does Notre Dame go from here? I think we're at a reality check in the Freeman era. And I don't mean that in like a negative way in the sense that like, I'm not positive that this is going to be something that turns around at some point. I still have the, honestly, I still have the utmost confidence that the Freeman era is going to be something that we look back at and, and it's a positive um, and probably a bigger positive than the Kelly era, which is saying something to a certain extent. So, but man, like, where, where do you even start when it comes to this, when it comes to these first two weeks specifically? Like, I, I know, like we, like I said, we came out of the Ohio State game with a level of like, man, like this team's going to beat everybody else on their schedule. They're going to out-bully them to a certain extent. Maybe the offensive line just kind of had to get better, but you could sort of justify them playing poor against Ohio State. But now you kind of look back after losing to Marshall and you, and all of a sudden the Ohio State game doesn't seem as good or you know, does that make sense? Like, like we, we, we thought the defensive line was going to be a strength going in 
and they got bullied against Ohio State, and they haven't done anything. Like, what did what did the defensive line really do to to Marshall on, on Saturday night? So, like, maybe that's a, a bigger issue than we realize. There, there's been no turnovers on defense, and I know obviously the offense is what a lot of people want to talk about. Defense hasn't necessarily given up a whole lot of points, technically speaking, but like where are like we talked about this last week the dudes being dudes where's Isaiah Foskey where is you know some of like where's Maris Leofau where are these linebackers um you know Cam Hart I think got beat a little bit more often uh on Saturday than we expected against a, a team like Marshall like so so no turnovers no like really huge plays on defense and then, and I obviously I want to switch gears to the offense here as well, but just, I guess, overall thoughts, like right now, everything sucks. <laughs> everything does suck. And to put it in a word, I'd say Notre Dame looks unrecognizable. You picture Notre Dame dominating for the most part, both of the lines of scrimmage, both offensively and defensively. It's kind of what they've been known to be, uh, especially at the you know, defensive end position, the defensive line as a whole has been really good. And then, you know, arguably offensive line you, but you don't see that whatsoever. You know, Notre Dame's used to not having the stud playmakers on the outside, you know, as compared to the elite of the elite in college football, they haven't had that. You know, you usually have one or two good receivers or, you know, good tight end in May, or we don't have like the the four and five-star receivers all over the place. So they're unrecognizable as, you know, I, I just don't even recognize what I'm seeing. It doesn't look like Notre Dame teams of old and, Maybe that's a you know a good thing overall moving forward. You know, moving past the Brian Kelly era, but um, I don't think Brian Kelly loses that game. So that's kind of a tough pill to swallow for a lot of people because you know vibes were so good going into the season. But um, I ultimately do think Freeman was the right choice because he was brought in to win games that Kelly wouldn't because his big game preparation, or whatever it was, just didn't work. Like Brian Kelly in big games that just didn't really work at Notre Dame, bar like two. But you need to get to a point where Notre Dame's still winning games it should win, especially ones that you're 21-point favorites in. So that's where the point of frustration comes. And um, But it, there has to be a buy-in from the players as well. It seems like they would be willing to die for Freeman. And then you see the things with Patterson acting out of character. And, you know, he's got the C on his chest. Like, there's all of these things that you just could never imagine happening. If you told me before, like, Notre Dame would lose, I'd be like, no. Like, I would put – anything that Notre Dame isn't going to lose this game and just I mean college football in itself is crazy with a lot of parody but I I'm just shocked and I I didn't I don't think I spoke for like two hours after the game like verbally just literally just shocked I didn't know what to think yeah I think we're in a much better state of mind right now to kind of get what we feel about this game off our chest a little bit and I think you hit the nail on the head when you mentioned like when Freeman was hired there was like this uproar in a good way by the fan base but then also by the players, like I always picture that video of him walking into the locker room and the players just like surrounding him. And like, yeah, like there's definitely some coaching issues right now. Like you, we can, we'll probably bring up the Tommy Reese stuff. I know that's been pretty, it's been a, a take at nauseum since even the Ohio state, the Ohio state game. And, but obviously other coaches deserve some blame here as well. And, but, but the players, man, like, like you said, like, they don't even seem like they're really fighting for anything right now. Like they're, they, they almost feel like at least walking into 
to Marshall that was like, okay, we're expected to win. We're not going to try hard. And then when Marshall kind of punched him in the mouth, they still decided not to try hard. And yeah, you saw some raw, raw stuff on the sidelines. You saw Patterson do what he did at the end of the game, but that's just, I mean, anybody can do that. You find was too late. It was way too late for that. Foskey yeah. wants to make a big scene on the sideline with two minutes left after the game's over. And Patterson wants to do that when the game's already over. Where mm-hmm. was that when you're still in the fight and have a chance to win? Right, right. And I know, like, we're going to get to the Buckner stuff. Obviously, some of that's a moot point at this point anyway, just because he's not going to be playing the rest of the season. But I was listening to Brian Driscoll, our old boss uh, at Irish Breakdown the other day. And, you know, Buckner threw the, the one pick on the one side, you know, that almost was a pick six. And then he threw another one later in the game to the opposite side. And I don't know if it was the same corner or whatever, but I think it was two different ones, but both those guys are experienced players and probably the the strength of the Marshall defense. But he brought up a good point. He goes, even though Michael Mayer on the second pick where it was the pick six was wide open and maybe that ball shouldn't have been completed to Jaden Thomas. Like maybe it shouldn't even have been caught regardless, but where was the fight? Like that was a ball. Like if you watch where, where Buckner released it, where it was in the air and where Thomas was when the ball was like essentially thrown, that shouldn't have been a pick. And I know like maybe that's, you know, kind of hearsay or, you know, whatever. And maybe that's, uh, there's probably going to be the, the Buckner mob out there that's attacking me for, for essentially saying that he didn't deserve to have a second pick in that game. And I'm fully admitting that he should have looked elsewhere. Mayor probably should have been the top option on that play regardless. And I think that kind of speaks a little bit to Buckner's inexperience. He, he doesn't read the field hundred percent right now as a player. And obviously super unfortunate why he's not going to be able to play the rest of the season. Cause that was something that I was hoping would get better as the season progressed, but like, you're why you need to expect your wide receivers to go out and, and fight for balls for you. And like Driscoll also brought up this and I'll probably mention to, to, to Brian after we get off here, Hey, listen to our podcast. Cause we, we gave you some credit here, but like did, Lindsay got open a few times. Like obviously Buckner missed him at the end of the half. I think he missed him on a crossing pattern earlier on in the game as well. And, but there was some other plays where like, it seemed like Lindsay just kind of didn't like whether his route was perfect or he just didn't really fight for the route. There was the one where they threw deep and he got kind of pushed out of bounds. There was another one. I don't know if it was the styles or Lindsay, I forget, but he was kind of, he was kind of almost pushed out of bounds again. Like the one he caught and then the one he just kind of ran out of bounds. And, you know, I think people all, all of a sudden just kind of blame the quarterback for that. But some of that's like, and this is where it's hard, like as fans, when we're watching the game live, when a ball's overthrown or underthrown or something like that, or thrown to the wrong spot, the blame always goes on two things, right? The coaching and the quarterback. It's never put on the wide receivers. It's never put on the tight ends. It's never put on, you know, whatever, you know what I mean? And I feel like, again, I'm going to sound a little bit like a Buckner apologist of sorts here, but like, there's just so much more that's wrong with this team right now. And I think before the Buckner injury, now everybody's kind of rallying around him. Before the Buckner injury, it seemed like he was getting a lot of the blame that he didn't really deserve. And I'm going to mention Driscoll again. One one thing he said was that Buckner was essentially your offense. So you want to hate you want to hate him for some of the throws he made against Marshall. But what other offense was successful outside of his his escapability? And, you know, maybe the few plays he made through the air that were good. It, it was, it's just kind of flustering how like 
he can get all the blame, but then he doesn't get any of like the successful um, parts of it either. So I don't know, man. It's just really frustrating. You can't, yeah, you can't just pick and choose, you know, oh, Buckner did this, so he's not good, but uh, you, and, but then you, you know, right away, all the, the good that he did. And I mean, I was telling people during the game that I don't know who, who said this. I think it might've been you guys that, um, Notre Dame's only offense in the Marshall game was, and even in Ohio State, really was Buckner, his legs, not really his arm, but then when he was using his arm, it was Michael Mayer. That's it. And we knew that there wasn't going to be a lot of maybe success in the wide receivers outside of Lorenzo Styles. I'd still like to see more from him. I'd like to see somebody else break out as a receiver, but I'm, you know, even the running game has been bad. Tyree's not getting touches, which Freeman addressed today in his press conference. Estimate doesn't, you know, we were all really high on him this season, um, but he doesn't look great. Um, and maybe that's due to the offensive line. I don't know. Um, Diggs doesn't look healthy, or if he is healthy, he doesn't look like he's ready to go. No, he doesn't have the the burst or, like, maybe it's the confidence to, like, you know, really shoulder somebody like we did see him do in that one practice video. And the, that looked to be – maybe we just hyped it up to be, like, a three-headed monster in the offseason, and it's very much not that. Yeah, no, and and I, and I, I guess this is where we kind of transition a little bit to some of the other aspects because I think, like I said, Buckner kind of got a lot of the blame, and it's it's, it's typical. I mean, it's, he's the quarterback. I understand it to a certain extent. Like the quarterback coaching, that that's always going to be at the forefront um, when when you're talking about football, just in general, whatever the level is. But obviously, the offensive line. I mean, it's funny, man. I actually thought Patterson had a pretty good game, but then your fifth year senior makes that key false start towards the end of the game, which probably seals the deal. And I think that's where people kind of forget is that Notre Dame was up 15 to 12 with the ball in Marshall territory, third and three, it's four down territory, 100% because of where they're located. And it turns into a third and eight because of a false start by your fifth year, senior four year starter captain who threw a fit at the end of the game. Um, almost didn't stay out for the alma mater, like it, just ridiculous from that, from that aspect of things. But so then it turns into a third and eight. And like, at that point, like who was thinking that that was going to be a successful play call? Cause it hadn't been successful all day. Third and eight, your, your one hope was that he might find Michael Mayer or he might run for, for a first down. And it, it so, and I, I honestly, like, I don't know, Mason, if you remember, but what, what exactly happened after that play? But, but it really just boils down to the offensive line has not been good. The running game, probably, like you said, because of the offensive line, has not been good. The receivers haven't been getting open. There, I think that there were times during that game where they were open, and like that's where you can maybe throw a little bit of the, the blame on Buckner where, yes, like he needs to be better. He needs, you know, he needs to develop, and obviously now he can't really do that this year. Um, but it's that, I think that's just – we're, we're kind of spiraling, spiraling here. And it's, it's partly because it's just like, what, what is wrong? And, and it's, uh, there's a lot of things wrong. And you, I think you even saw it in Freeman's press conference today. Like he didn't really even know what to say. Like some of the questions almost like threw him off guard. I don't know if you listened to it today or whatever, but like they mentioned about getting Tyree on the field and he, he was like, yeah, he needs to get on the field. But then he went back to like, well, this is why he didn't get enough touches. And like, I think at this point, it's like, just put him at running back and let him do his thing because he looked like, honestly, he looked at the best player for, for them yesterday or on Saturday, but just didn't get any. I think he has nine carries on the season. 
through two games. And I mean, that's, I mean, at this point it's maybe inexcusable and you can blame that on Freeman, blame that on the coaching staff. I don't know, but, and then, and then on top of that, it, it's just nothing, nothing's working. And, and now you have a, now you have a new quarterback where Freeman didn't even know how to describe him. He was asked what his strengths were and he, he couldn't even, he couldn't even describe like a physical strength of, of Drew Pine. And it's, it's unfortunate because I love the kid. I think he's a good leader. Um, but I think it, it goes to show you that even though they maybe have some confidence in him and from that standpoint, that I don't know, just like what can really get better at the quarterback position with, with Drew Pine over Tyler Buckner. I mean, what can you say? I, I, I know that was bad from Freeman kind of, but like what can you say is a physical attribute that you love in Drew Pine? He's short. He's not nearly as athletic as Buckner. He's not as fast as Buckner. He doesn't have the arm strength that Buckner does. He's potentially a little bit more accurate and is more of a game manager. He's not, I, mean, he I, think not he's shown, I think he's shown that he's pretty indecisive and can't really read a defense, though, and that's been what everybody says about Buckner. Right. Like, I mean, my mentions were flooded the other day with people saying that Buckner had no redeeming or special qualities as a, as a player. And I was like, what are you, I mean, I didn't understand what people were watching. Like, first of all, you look at him and he's an ath, you, you see the athleticism first and foremost. And then second of all, like, there's no doubt he has arm strength. It's just, there's some inaccuracies and there's some rawness to his game from an actual quarterbacking perspective. And that blew my mind because then you have the same people talking about how Drew Pine is going to be the savior for Notre Dame this year. And I'm like, well, you look at him. And again, I'm not trying to blow up on Drew Pine. It's not nothing about I love the kid. I, I tweeted out earlier. I hope he I hope he goes off because I'm a fan first. But there there is nothing that you see there that should be OK. This is going to be better. Now, I will I will kind of preface that or, or kind of add to that by saying, like, I probably will be better only because it can't be worse than what has been going on. Like you imagine the offensive line probably gets a little bit better as the season goes on. You imagine the running game probably gets things going. You imagine some of these stars, whether it's defense or offense, coaching, even the schemes, they're going to get better. And so maybe Drew Pine at the end of the year as the starter will look better than maybe Buckner did in his first two games. But I think it's almost because he has to at this point because other things are going to help out the program. And I just don't, I guess I just don't see Notre Dame, going from 0-2 and, 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 like, finishing the season, for example, 4-8. and eight. Like, I'd, be, I'd still be surprised if they finished the season 4-8. and eight. Something's going to happen. I don't know what it's going to be. Maybe I'm a little bit too confident after two weeks. But I, just, I can't believe it can get worse. I only can believe just from past things, the talent on this roster, that it's going to get better. But at, the, but at the forefront of that, it doesn't mean that it's because Drew Pine is the quarterback and Tyler Buckner's not. Yeah, no, and I could see if maybe I don't know, maybe Notre Dame goes out and plays really well against Cal or something, and but it's not going to be because of Drew Pine, I guess. I don't know. Cal beat think, UNLV by six points. I don't know what to expect anymore. I mean, what's the spread? Do you know? I think it was a minus eleven Notre Dame still. So there's still like a, a confidence level in Notre Dame from that perspective, from a spread standpoint. But honestly, if they would have done work against Marshall. If they would have won 35 to 10 against Marshall, the spread probably would have been about the same as Marshall. Yeah, I'm looking right now. Yeah, I think it honestly like opened – I probably opened up way bigger than 11. Like if, if there was an opening line – what's up? 
10 and a half right now. Yeah. And I forget, like, was there probably an opening line for that? Like, like weeks ago, even though you could. Sure. Right. Yeah. So, I mean, like, like uh, if they would have beat Marshall, like we expected them to beat Marshall, like, where do we, where's that spread at? Probably 17, 18 points at least. At minimum. So, I mean, I don't know, man, like there's just a lot wrong. And I know we want to get into a little bit more of like what's actually going on and kind of how, like how we, how we move forward from this, but I don't know, like what, what are, do you have any other thoughts before we kind of get into that a little bit? Not really. Um, you know, it's a lot of frustration. I don't even know how much more there is to say, you know, I want to see it get resolved, I guess, but I don't know what that looks like. And I don't know if Freeman knows what that looks like. Yeah. No, I don't know. I, I think it's going to start, man. Like, well, actually, before we get into this, where, where have you seen positives? Where have the positives been with, with the roster, singular players? I mean, I think obviously maybe throw out Michael Mayer, for example. Michael Mayer's probably doing Michael Mayer things. Probably needs to be a better blocker. I, I think that they ran some, what is it? Is it 13 personnel when it's like a bunch of tight ends on the field? One running back, three tight ends, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, like they weren't running the ball effectively when that was happening. And so like, yeah, even like a Michael Mayer who like, yeah, you can count on in the passing game. Wh where is the tight ends or where, like, you know, where, like when they have, cause I'm going to, I'm going to go ahead and assume like without looking at the tape again right now, their 13 personnel is probably Mayer, Sherwood and Bauman, right. As the tight ends. And then like, there's, so there's been plays where it's third and short, fourth and short. They have, Five offensive linemen, like usual. Michael Mayer, who's a like a behemoth of a person. Um, Bauman, Davis Sherwood, who you put on scholarship specifically because you think he's going to be a good fullback and tight end for you. And then you have a 245-pound running back, and you can't pick up one yard. Like that, that I think that's kind of the season right now in a nutshell. Yeah, I think you're right. And um, you know, as far as positives I would say Bauman's been you know impressive in the what I've seen of him in, in the receiving game I don't know how he's been as a blocker admittedly I'm sure he's fine but um there you know hit the receptions of him have been good as as far as a, a second tight end I'm trying to think of positives I don't think the linebackers have been good I wasn't happy with Leofow Mills and Foskey have been nearly non-existent I haven't seen much from the, the Adam Alolas um Brandon Joseph's been fine but um, you know, a couple big hits, but he misses, he missed some key tackles. Cam Hart's been bad. Uh, Tariq Bracey, actually, that yeah. there's one. Tariq Bracey's been good. I was going to say from like a singular player standpoint, I think Tariq Bracey has been really good from a, from a, um, an offensive standpoint. The only thing that has been good, I think has been Tyler Buckner's legs. And now that's gone. So you want, if people want to, say that he was the issue like okay whatever I'll hear those arguments because I'm not I know I'm not perfect I'm not going to sit there and say that because I think Buckner's good that that means he's you know it means he's great you know what I mean but like I, I, I'm I'm human like everybody else but honestly like on from an offensive perspective the only positive thing has probably been Tyler Buckner's legs and Drew Pine I think has some ability to run but he's essentially a poor man's Ian Book and I think he's slower than Ian Book overall. So, like, I yeah, when Freeman says the offense isn't going to change too much, like, I honestly think it will probably change more than we expect. Well, yeah, and there – I mean, I'm 
obviously rooting for Drew Pine. Hope the kid does well. But at the same time, you know, you've had we've had people for the entire offseason and this last two weeks still calling for Drew Pine to start. So I'm, you know, I'm kind of hoping that they get to see what we all see in Drew Pine. And if not, that means he's good. So either way, whatever. You know, I've had people texting me saying that and writing off Drew Pine, you know, in my DM, I'm writing off Drew Pine because I, I said that all Notre Dame has knowing for them is Tyler Buckner's legs and they need his, his athleticism and height that Drew Pine doesn't have. And they said height and athleticism don't matter. I texted you about this. Yeah. Height and athleticism don't matter and at the quarterback position. I would argue those are two of the, like the three most important things other than like arm strength and accuracy. So um, that's just yeah, wild. All you have to do but, is go down an NFL roster and you'll find that to be. Right. <laughs> Otherwise, why is Jalen Hurts a quarterback? Um, but yeah, it, everything, I don't know, just frustrated. Um, I hope, uh, hope Drew Pine does well, but I, I can see a lot of people being proven wrong. I mean, the cameo in the, in the Marshall game is all you need to see. Yeah. He should have thrown two picks and he looked horrible in the blue and gold game. The dude's not it. Give it to Angeli as far as I'm concerned. The only reason, like, where I can see Pine being successful is if he turns into a little bit more of an Ian Book than we expect, which I think is completely possible. And the and, and but the thing is, like, everything else has to get better, though. That that that's where I keep getting into this idea, and and it's the same thing for Buckner. If if this was going to be the same thing all year, where Buckner essentially just had to scramble and possibly just get significantly better as a player himself and essentially will Notre Dame to victory some weeks. If, if Notre Dame is going to be successful starting this week against Cal, yes, Drew Pine has to be better than he was when he came in against Marshall, like you mentioned, but the offensive line has to be better. The running game has to be better. The wide receivers have to continue to, to, I mean, I mean, I shouldn't say continue. The wide receivers have to show something. Um, I think Tom mentioned today, our, our boy Tom, that uh, he, he he expects Tobias Merriweather to play this week, even if he's ready or not. And you know Tom, he probably has some inside sources, so I, I expect that to be probably pretty factual in that regard. Um, sorry, Tom, if you're listening to this, I don't mean to, to, <laughs> to get, throw away some of that info for you, but I feel like I had to say it. So I think at this point, it's kind of like the coaching staff is maybe not grasping for straws but they need to find other ways. Like Freeman already said, the offensive line is going to stay intact for now, but like there needs to be other people that get involved. And that kind of, at least on offense, that starts with Tobias Merriweather. Um, maybe that starts with, a, a, you know, getting Bauman significantly more involved in the passing game or getting Eli Raritan in there because he's another freshman that we're excited about. Um, and then on defense, I think it like, I, I think they probably like, they're doing a little bit too much rotation in the, in the secondary. Like, I don't need to, I, I want to see, there's no reason Brandon Joseph shouldn't be playing like 90% of the snaps. I understand a rest here and there. I know he didn't have his best game against Marshall, but I don't need to see a rotation of all these other guys. I want to see the best players on Notre Dame play 85, 90, 90% of the snaps. Uh, so I guess that's my little tangent there a little bit, but, Mason, what about coaching? We haven't really talked about it. Obviously, Reese has kind of been at the forefront of a lot of people's minds over the first few weeks. What's kind of your, your take? I mean, I know I tried to defend him a little bit, um, specifically after the Ohio State game, and, the, and then a little bit, I guess, in our spaces the other day after the Marshall game. 
Um, after kind of rethinking it a little bit, I think he maybe deserves a little bit more of the blame specifically in the Marshall game. Um, I don't think he put Buckner in a lot of play, good places to succeed or in a, in a lot of good spots, I should say. Um, and then the few spots he did put him in, like obviously Buckner didn't make some of those plays, but it's, it's hard, man. Like when you only get two of those versus he probably should have had a lot more. Um, I think it took him forever to kind of utilize his legs, which is unfortunate because against Marshall, you kind of hope that he only has to run three or four times and you guys can, they can still win the game. But um, I mean, I think the, we, like we've already kind of highlighted that the only strength of the offense right now was Buckner's legs, at least in the first two weeks. So um, yeah, what's kind of your take on Reese and the other coaches? Disappointed with Reese, but um, you know, I'm, now that I'm kind of thinking about it, maybe we were all kind of naive to assume Notre Dame would be as good as we initially anticipated. Brand new head coach, brand new defensive coordinator, like that stuff isn't easy. But at the same time, I've been almost the most disappointed with Reese. You know, I, I still think he's good, but you have to adapt your play calling at some point. And it's like he tries to run this NFL offense, which I understand, but adapt to your personnel. Not that I've ever been an offensive coordinator, but that's kind of my take from the outside looking in. And, you know, he knows a lot, of, a hell of a lot more about offense than we do, but it doesn't make it any less frustrating. Um, I just don't understand the the thought process sometimes. I think just, just simplifying things, it might be in the better course of action. But, you know, I'm kind of thinking with Buckner, but, you know, it's it's done now. And um, you know, you I still think you need to have a simplified with Pine, though. Yeah, right. But, you know, you've made this offense for Buckner. He, he was the, he was the starter, you know, whether they admitted it or not. Um, there wasn't a quarterback battle, I can not imagine. And then um, now you're working, making an offense for Drew Pine and which should be simpler, but at the same time, you don't have your best asset and everything else has been bad. So I don't know. I don't know what it looks like. Um, if, if Notre Dame's going to get better, it has to start with Tommy Reese and the offense, because that's been a huge issue, not scoring enough points. Um, I, yeah, I don't, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know what that even starts to look like when you can't, you have nobody to, to really throw to the offensive line stinks. You can't run the ball. I mean, he, I guess he's being kind of put in a tough spot. I don't want to like bail him out, but man, And, you know, man, it really makes you think, like, what's been going on in practice or what have they been seeing in practice? Because I know Michael Mayer was kind of adamant about how the running game had been very effective in practice, but maybe that's because the defensive line hasn't been good and it's kind of shown that they haven't had that built-in pressure these last couple of weeks. I know they had, like, what, eight, eight tackles for loss, and I think they technically had more sacks than Marshall did against Notre Dame but that should be expected. I mean, you look at the Marshall game and pretty much Notre Dame, like if you look, just looked at the box score, Marshall looked like the better team. They, they outgained Notre Dame. I think they outpossessed Notre Dame, like, like ball, like ball control. They were outcoached specifically. I think if you did watch the game, you could see that. So, but no, man, like practice. I mean, cause like we, we brought up the ideas of Buckner and kind of how he needs to get better about seeing the field, but if they weren't willing to going back on what you said, adjust play calling to go to your strengths or Buckner's strengths or just the offensive strengths as a whole, they have to be doing something different in practice that shows that this should be capable, right? Cause I'm I, that, that's just coaching one-on-one. Like I'm not going to sit here and say that Tommy Reese is so stubborn or Marcus Freeman is so stubborn that the week of practice, it wasn't working and they're just like, screw it. We're going to go with it. So this stuff 
had to be working in practice or Buckner had to be like reading the field better or something like that in practice. And then something just not, wasn't clicking in games. Cause again, I, I know like I'm defending Buckner, but then I'm also kind of not defending him at the same time, but it just really goes back to this idea that if you're watching it in games though, and he, and he's just not there yet as that kind of quarterback adjust. And it, and it, maybe it should have been an adjustment from Ohio state. Cause I think you, I haven't gone back and watched the Marshall game yet, but I imagine that if once I do, from what I've been told, the middle of the field was wide open all game. And we saw that at times, almost everybody saw that that mayor was open on the play that Buckner threw the pick six. And I've already talked about it. It shouldn't have been a pick six regardless. Should have just been an incomplete pass. And then maybe we're not talking here about Notre Dame losing, but like, but there were still opportunities for guys that were open. And if, and if he's just not, he, or, and again, it's kind of a moot point because he's not even there anymore, but if, if the plays were not working and he's not seeing the field, like the coaches wanted him to then call different plays or bring in Drew Pine before that. And I, I don't, I hate saying that because I would have been pissed if it happened, but if you're, if you're going to be too stubborn to change the play calls, then you either have to, then you, then you have to bring in a new quarterback or do something different. Yeah. I just don't understand. You know, now that I'm thinking about it, you, you mentioned that, you know, the middle of the field being wide open. Why aren't we seeing any crossing patterns, you know, for a guy that like Lindsay, who is great with the ball in his hands, but he kind of struggles to catch the ball, get him on a crossing pattern across the middle of the field and let him, you know, run just a few yards past the line of scrimmage, get him the ball in motion and let him go. Or same with styles. You need to get the ball in your, playmakers hands and especially if your offensive line can't block for more than a couple seconds and you know your receivers struggle to get open down the field you know run something that's easy for them and get the ball in their hands and let them go so um yeah you got to simplify things you'd think and <clears throat> make it easier on your quarterback that's making a second career start not that I'm you know defending him I don't think he was great and unfortunately we're not going to see him the rest of the year but um you know you got to play to their strengths not just what you want them to be or what you think you know the Notre Dame offense should look like what you think is the sexy play call uh, play to your strengths and you know do what this team can do best even if it's not a lot I think the one thing that gives me a little bit of confidence and I kind of mentioned this to you guys yesterday or on Saturday when when the game was still going on when I honestly when I thought Notre Dame was going to win the game because they had just gone up 15 to 12 and their defense made a stop and they got the ball back and all that but one of the things that gives me a little bit of confidence that Reese is going to get this turned around at least from a play calling standpoint is that both drives that they scored on it's like he went he went to those strengths finally. Um, you know, you saw the really cool play design to Bauman where he almost scored and got down to like the one yard line. I want to see more of that because I think that's where like, and again, we're not going to maybe see it because it's a different quarterback, different style of offense possibly. But like when you had Buckner kind of doing stuff where he had to, where the defense had to be kept honest with his legs. That's why the middle of the field was so open at times. And they were obviously, and it wasn't just his legs. It was the idea that Marshall wanted to stop the run. So they had safeties up in the box all the time. And that's why the middle of the field was always so open. And I, maybe this is Buckner didn't see it, whatever, but ever, but both, both drives where they scored towards the end of the half, first half and, and to go up 15 to 12, there was just this, like, I was like, man, that's the Tommy Reese I expected. 
And so it gives me some confidence that he's not like stubborn, I guess. And he's just going to kind of stick with what he's doing. Um, but I don't know. I, I, I definitely want to see some more, some more of that. Cause I do think at least to a certain extent this is where I agree with Freeman. You can do that with pine a little bit. Cause he can move out of the pocket. He can run on, he can throw on the run. He's not the athlete that Buckner is. So the RPO is not going to be, like it's not going to be cone last year where we essentially said you can't do that because no one ever expects him to run the football. Um, it will be better than that, but like people aren't going to be keen in on him. I think to be honest with you, I think there's a chance there's a, a small chance here that we see the running game open up a little bit just because teams are going to be the threat of pine running the football isn't as great. So you're going to see safeties a little bit back. They're going to be like, hey, we need to make sure this guy doesn't beat us with his arm because it's probably the only way they could beat us. If he's having to run for his life all game or if they're going to be doing these, you know, RPOs and QB runs and stuff like that, it's there's not the threat of like a 30-yard gain. There's a threat of like, okay, maybe he gets like five or six. And so that could be, I mean, maybe I'm just grasping for straws here, maybe so you can correct me <laughs> if you think I'm completely off base here. But part of me thinks that, like against Cal specifically, I mean, because that's just the next game on the thing. I wouldn't be surprised if the running game, maybe by default, just starts get to get going a little bit, but also because there's not the threat of the quarterback run as much. Yeah, I could see that. And at this point, you can talk to me in anything positive. I'll give it a shot. Um, you know, but uh, so the next thing I was going to ask you was a bit negative, but it's kind of the way that I'm thinking here. Um, I personally, I'd, if this season's going to be what it is, maybe Pine gives you the best chance to win right now, but I want to know what we have in Steven Jelly. So yeah. I don't know what he looks like in practice. I know he's worked with the scout team. I don't know his understanding of the offense, but what do you think it takes to see some Angeli and how bad does Pine have to be in a, for Notre Dame against Cal for them to turn to Angeli, like, dude, go out there and try to figure it, figure this out. Cause we pine, isn't it? Do you think, you know, like no points in the first quarter or two, do they go to Angeli? How, how much of a leash does, does Drew Pine have? Not that I'm saying that would happen, but. It's an interesting question because we've already talked about this at nauseum, but like the one strength Notre Dame had was Buckner's legs. So even when he wasn't playing his best football the first two weeks, you knew that he could kickstart the offense because of his athleticism. And with Pine, it's a little bit different. If he's not seeing the field, he's not completing passes to, to the receivers and mayor and the running backs and all that. Like there's not this threat that he can kind of like just escape his way out of stuff. You know what I mean? So, yeah, I mean, I think he's almost has to have a shorter leash than, than Buckner did, but um, but yeah, no, I mean, I'm with you, man. I've, I've kind of said it a few times already, not necessarily on this podcast yet, but just in general that I do think there's an upside with Angeli that you're not going to get with Pine. And I know he's a freshman or whatever, but you've seen freshmen play well in the NCAA before it's not, or in college football. It's not like it's, you know, you can't play well as a freshman. You see, I mean, look at Baylor last year, Baylor beat Oklahoma state for the big 12 title when they had to turn to their freshman QB. I know it was towards the end of the season, but that kid wasn't more highly regarded than than Angeli coming out of high school, just to just to throw it out there. So I mean, yeah, there's a I think there's a to, to answer your question, I guess, without kind of beating around the bush. I think for the first week or two, maybe Pine does have it locked in. 
but I wouldn't be surprised if like just things aren't going well that they decide to kind of take like give Angeli a chance or maybe have a built-in playbook to where they can turn to Angeli almost like they did with Buckner last year with uh, with Cone. Like maybe there's this idea like, hey, we need to get Angeli ready because a we don't know if Pine's going to stay healthy all year because he's one injury away as well, and you know, and maybe at some point they just view him as the best opportunity to possibly win games. Yeah, all bets are off if they lose. <laughs> In my opinion, you start losing games, right. all bets are off. I think you know I'm I'm rooting for Pine. I want to emphasize that because just because I'm not high on him doesn't mean I don't want the kid to do well. Because him doing well means Notre Dame's doing well. But yeah, at the same time, a big part of me, and it's just it's the unknown that gets everybody, and that's what had everybody excited about Buckner too. But the unknown is what makes me excited about Injeli. And I think he could be really good. And I think there's just something about Pine that, that is known. And he's not it. He's not the guy that's going to get you over the hump. But um, maybe not a lot of guys are. And he's a guy that can win you eight or nine games this week and salvage what is looking to be a pretty shitty season. So it sucks at this point to already be looking towards the future next year because that hasn't been the case for Notre Dame for a long time where they're in it towards the end perennially a top five or seven team making the playoff and if not very close to it so this is a spot I haven't, we haven't been in in six years now so um there's ups and downs with college football programs uh, it always sucks when you're down but um you know like my tweet said the other day this martial loss will be the beginning of the Notre Dame national championship dvd here in a couple of years so yeah um try to try to think that way i'm not totally serious when i say that but um could see it happening why not and I know me and you are usually pretty subdued about the known quantities versus like the unknown quantities. I know I've had to defend that in the past. Like, you know, you get it a lot of the times with guys that have only been in the program for like a year or two. And all of a sudden, because they haven't necessarily churned out a, um, a, a huge career yet that, Oh, it's like, okay, bring the next guy in type of thing. But this idea that Angeli could actually provide, because, because like you said, like we, we, maybe we haven't seen the whole – we don't really know 100% what Pine is because we haven't seen him actually start a game per se. Um, so maybe we should give him the benefit of the doubt from that regard. But, but we know the limitations. We know he doesn't have a great arm. We know that he's a smaller quarterback, so it's going to be harder to read the field just because you have huge offensive linemen and defensive linemen in your way. Um, we saw that with Ian Book. I mean, that was a part of the reason Ian Book – was indecisive, I think, at times. And, and, and it sucks, but that's exactly what goes back to your point about how height and athleticism actually do mean something because it does help you read defenses. And, you know, there's the occasional exception, like a Drew Brees out there or something like that who has a, a great NFL career um, who wasn't maybe like the perfect athlete, but just for whatever reason could chuck the football. You know what I mean? But but no, but but I think in at least in the case of Angeli versus Pine, there's there's reasonable cause to say maybe not this week but if things kind of don't like even if you win this week like I don't want it to be one of those things where they like they beat Cal 17 to 14 the offense still looks really bad and you know you go into North Carolina North Carolina is god awful so maybe you put up a few more points against them and you still win like maybe you went 28 to 24 against North Carolina but I don't want that to just be like oh because they won those two games that it's just Pine's job because that's where I think sometimes fans get suffocated into this is where they're going to be like, okay, well, look at Pine. He's two and oh, Buckner was zero and two. So he's better. 
and we can't you can't progress from there it needs to be more like how and we're what was it a couple of years ago when they had Wimbush starting and they started out three and one or four and oh or whatever but they still turned to Ian Book because he was the best option so in in this case if Notre Dame's able to salvage their season a little bit and they go to they're they're two and two going into BYU week but Pine hasn't really been doing much and he's not really the reason they're winning football games. That's where I'm like, okay, maybe you like, don't just get caught up in it because, and that goes for every position. Like if they're like, again, if the offense is stagnant and the, and the offensive line just isn't playing well, just because they go two and two, go, just because they go two and oh, the next two weeks doesn't mean I want, I don't want to see Rocco Spindler or Christophic get an opportunity to be a starter. Or I don't want to see Tobias Merriweather essentially take over and be one of the main guys on offense or, you know, whatever it may be. So it's not just Drew Pine. I just want to preface that a little bit. Like it's, it's not just Drew Pine. It goes for any position. If the offense, defense or whatever is still not performing to their abilities that we think they should be, I'm okay with other guys getting opportunities, even with wins possibly on the horizon. Yeah. All bets are off right now. I mean, ultimately, Notre Dame's should be a New Year's Six playoff kind of team. They're not that. So go see what you have in young guys. Why not? Screw it. Um, you know, find out what you have for the future so that down the line in a year or two, you can be a better team uh, with more experience. And, you know, it's never a bad thing to find out what you have in guys. I'm down to see Rocco Spindler. Hell, throw, your, throw Jabron Payne in the backfield. I think he was wearing a boot, whatever. Throw them out there, see what happens. Um, any any of the incoming freshmen, um, I'm I'm just ready to see them. You know, there was there's guys that did get some appearances, but I want to see more. Raritan and Stays made small little cameos. Um, if they're playing better than you know, or if they have, play with more fire, if they have more energy than the other guys, w- for whatever reason that they just are not playing to how they should be. I mean, this team's playing more dead than they did under Brian Kelly. Sometimes, how do, how is that possible under Freeman? Freeman even from I've never met the guy. I'm watching videos of him, his, these hype videos, and he's got me wanting to run through walls in my own house, and these guys can't get up for him at, for his first home game against Marshall. So if it, if he has more of an impact on the freshman that, you know, that Freeman recruited, screw it, play them. I don't care. Um, Notre Dame's already has two losses. I mean, the season's not washed, but kind of. So I'm ready to see the young guys. I don't whatever. Yeah, their, their goals are gone from the beginning of the year, at least like when, before the season started, their goals were probably to make a college football playoff and win a national championship. Like they should be. Um, our realistic goals as fans were probably get to a new year six bowl this year because you had a new coach, new quarterback whatsoever, but now they're on two. But technically speaking, those, those fan goals should still be there. If Notre Dame goes 10 and they go off and win the rest of their games, they're 10 and two. They're definitely going to a new year six bowl because a they're Notre Dame and B you just won what is it? 10 games in a row, which is probably pretty significant at this point, considering what happened to start the year. Um, But I think Freeman said it best. And this kind of goes based off your point a little bit. And this was in his press conference today. He goes, he goes, yeah, like, are we, are, are we not playing our, or it it was about kind of like the young guys. He goes, are we not playing our best football and guys are kind of making execution mistakes and stuff like that because they're young. He goes, those kind of go hand in hand, but no one cares. No one sitting here is, is giving us the benefit of the doubt because everybody else is dealing with the same things. I mean, we're not the only program, you know, in the country that has young guys playing. And, you know, I think he even said it best. Like someone asked, like, does the wide receiver core being a lack of depth, essentially? I think it was the first question he got today. 
is, is, does the lack of depth in the wide receiver core, is this what's hindering the wide receiver core? And he goes, no, I think it's because we're inexperienced in our execution. And I was like, that's great. Because then he also right afterwards said, that's not an excuse though. He goes, yes, these are what it is. Cause we can say that as coaches and we can correct, try to correct these mistakes and coach these guys up, but no one cares just cause I'm telling you that it's, that it's this and we're young and it's, you know, we're not executing teams are probably eating that alive because that means that they're going to win football games or keep football, football games close against us. So um, I'm glad that he, he said that. I'm glad that he's like, Oh, we're young. We're going to get better. He's like, no, we're young. No one gives a fuck. <laughs> yeah. Nobody gives a fuck. And you have to remember that the Marshall guys, they came out and played with so much more fire. This was their super bowl. You get to play in Notre Dame at Notre Dame stadium. You come out and beat them at their own stadium and ruin Marcus Freeman's homecoming or whatever you want to call it, you know, first home debut, whatever. Um, people are going to come in wherever you are, whether they're welcoming you to their stadium or they're coming to yours to Notre Dame stadium, they are coming to beat you and beat one of the top program, the top program ever in college football at one of the hallowed grounds of college football. They don't care about Marcus Freeman or inexperience or none of that shit. They, they are coming to beat Notre Dame and that's something they'll remember forever and good for them. They, they all played Notre Dame. They deserved the win. And if Notre Dame had scraped it out, scraped it out, I'd have been happy, I guess, but you know, there is no denying that Marshall deserved it. They were the better team. Yeah, it was like Toledo all over again. I tweeted that during the game, and if at that point I just, you wanted Notre Dame, because obviously, like every everything looks better with a W. Like you, because it because it also shows like a level of like Patterson's not walking off the field like he did if they win. He might be pissed. Foskey might be pissed. Whoever might be pissed. The coaching staff's probably going to be pissed. But w- winning like how Brian Kelly did against some of these teams at Ball State, you know, Toledo last year, you know, Duke a few years back, even though that's a power five program, like some of these games that he had won that in, in retrospect, he probably had no business winning. They always found a way to get it done for whatever reason. And, you know, I think that's why like earlier you said, if, if Kelly was coaching, you think they win. I don't know if I'm there. But I understand why people say that, because it just seemed like against these types of opponents, they found a way somehow. And so when it was 15 to 12, you're sitting there thinking, okay, if this just, or even when it was, uh, what is it? It was 15, 12, Toledo goes down and scores after the picks, or uh, they go down and score, right? And then Notre Dame, it was like 19 to 15, whatever it was. When Notre Dame had the ball driving or before the pick six, you're like, just win this game, please. Just, just make this 23 to 19, get out of here with a victory or 22 to 19, whatever the score would actually be. Um, get out of here with a victory and call, and call it a day. And this podcast would obviously be a little bit more like, you know what, it happened. It, this is what Brian Kelly teams did. It, it, it is what it is. So I don't know. I kind of want to end this on a little bit more of a positive note, like without talking about the past. Because I think me and you both agree the future is still bright. Um, you know, you, you have, you still have a really good recruiting class coming in. A lot of the guys have tweeted after the game that they're locked in. Um, it doesn't really look like it affected Jeremiah Love much, who was at the game, which is nice. I don't know if you read the report about with Will Fong, but essentially his, his dad was giving glowing re- reviews and it, it's almost seems like the kid's a silent commit <laughs> to be honest with you, even though he's going to Texas A&M this weekend. Um, so I honestly kind of expect some good news on that front, probably here soon. Um, 
so obviously you have the good recruiting class. You have obviously next year, you have a great recruiting class. Maybe CJ Carr reclassifies. Like, I don't know if I want him necessarily starting as a freshman next year, but it's certainly a possibility. Um, you know, in the transfer portal these days, there's always going to be guys. Um, obviously you can always re- kind of go back to Buckner as well. I mean, if we, I know we lost another year of development essentially, but you know, if we, st- if he's the talent that me and you and some others still think that he is like, he's obviously still going to be a possibility next year for them. And I think the, pro- the coaching staff right now is probably still believing of that. Um, but there's a lot of things that can happen and for next until next year. And obviously you kind of need to write the ship this year. Cause if you go, you go six and six, maybe one guy does jump ship that we're not expecting of right now. Maybe, maybe it's Charles Jagasaw going to Michigan, which would suck or whoever. I mean, I don't, I hate throwing out names because like there's obviously no speculation on this right now, but maybe, maybe a bad season does seal the deal with a guy like Peyton Bowen deciding to go to, you know, Oklahoma instead of Notre Dame. So, um, but kind of on a positive note, you have the recruiting classes. I think Notre Dame still has the talent. I know we just kind of crapped on them for, for an hour and said like, you guys haven't been executing and maybe it is because of a lack of talent to a certain extent. Maybe there's some overrated talent on the team, but I don't know, Mason, like I want to, I guess I want to end this podcast by talking about how like I'm, I'm overall, I'm still just like, like the honeymoon phase is over for Freeman, but I don't think that, the potential and the excitement that I got before he, like right when he was hired that for me, that still hasn't gone away. Oh yeah. I it's still there for me. I still think he was the right guy. You know, people are like, in retrospect, Oh my God, this was never the right hire. It was the right hire. Um, I knew there was going to be bumps along the way. I just didn't think that they would be so soon. I expected Notre Dame to lose to Ohio state but I expected them to go on a run here and then, you know, pull off a nine and three, 10 and two, and then really be building towards next season, which I thought would be, you know, you really surefire playoff aspirations year two of Buckner. He really has it figured out and it's crazy how quickly things can change because we were talking about this off air. What are the odds that Tyler Buckner plays for Notre Dame again in like a significant role? Now another year of development behind with another injury with other quarterbacks coming in? What if Angeli makes that leap? What if CJ Carr reclassifies? What if, not that I expect it, what if Pine's a dude somehow, right? Or just, or just solid, yeah. Or just solid enough to win you games like Ian Book. So there's so or the many, right Or the right guy enters the portal. Like That's totally possible. And it's often as quarterbacks enter the portal now and Notre Dame will be looking. Um, it, I mean, it's, it's possible that we've, you know, we've followed this Tyler Buckner's career for two or three years. Now it's possible that's it. And I don't want to speak negatively like on him because I hope the best for him and I want to see him play for Notre Dame again, but there's so many circumstances that are kind of working against him here. So um, it's just crazy how quickly things can change in the college football landscape. Yeah. Cause in college football, you don't have a contract. Like yeah. you have four years or you four years of playing time and you're done. So like sometimes the four years take seven, <laughs> but, but like it, and, and I think you bring up a good point there is like, we all want, I think we all want Buckner to be the guy next year. Like, like the, the idea of him still being the dude next year to lead Notre Dame to a playoff game and being that guy that we thought he was going to be like, first of all, I still think it's possible. And second of all, like we still, we, we want it to happen because it's probably like, 
as we sit here today looking at the roster, it's probably the most likely scenario that they do make a playoff next year is if Buckner kind of just turns into that guy. But the re- you brought up the good point of like, it's, it's another year of no development. Like maybe, yeah, okay, it's another year of watching film and stuff like that. He can be a coach on the sidelines and so on and so forth. You know, obviously it, I do want to also mention that it wasn't his throwing arm. So maybe part of the way through his, I, mean, I know he said it's a four month recovery, but maybe two months in, he's able to like practice essentially kind of like with the scout team, not get hit, but like throw a little bit. So like there's, there's some practice development that could go on, but man, like you're talking about a kid who, Tore his ACL as a sophomore in high school, dominated as a junior, didn't get to play high school football as a senior. Last year, like, yes, got on the field, but from a throwing standpoint, didn't really get a lot of development. And then finally this year was supposed to be the year where he kind of like got that development. And hopefully by year's end, we were looking at a completely different player and it's gone. And so you, you wonder if he's just not ever going to reach his potential because he was that guy that just got really unfortunate with, with, you know, it's life. It happens. Injuries happen. Um, you know, it's, it's not meant for everybody. You can look at, I mean, there's a lot of guys in the history of this sport or history of sports in general that just didn't live up to the potential for a variety of reasons. And it's unfortunate for him because I don't think it was really anything that he did. So um, it, it's a lot of just outside stuff and, it would not, it, I mean, at this point, it would not surprise me one bit if he was not necessarily transferred. Like, I don't, like, he might not transfer, but like, it just wouldn't surprise me if he's just never the guy at Notre Dame again. And, and that's, I think that's what makes me sad today about him, him specifically in his career. Well, yeah, because he's a good kid. He's done the right things and he's had a lot of things not fall in his favor and uh, I don't want people to think that we're writing him off because we're not you won't find bigger TB12 Tom uh, Tyler Buckner um, supporters than Nathan and I but um, you know you look at the writing on the wall the outside circumstances working against him and you got to be real about it and we pride ourselves on being realists you know we all have our kind of biases we want you know you kind of pull for certain guys you end up being fans of certain guys but at the same time you have to be real and uh, it's as real as it gets unfortunately in terms of injuries and then you know, other guys, everybody wants, not everybody, but most guys want to be the quarterback at Notre Dame. You know, it's such a prestigious uh, position. And especially when you're at Notre Dame, they want, uh, they want nothing more than to be the guy. And, um, you know, they're not going to feel bad for you when they take that starting spot. So um, it's too bad, but, you know, well, move on, we move forward, we move on. And at this point, you couldn't even blame the staff if they decided to go out and get a transfer QB, even if it wasn't a hundred percent, a guy that you like, Hey, you're for sure going to get the job, but just a guy, like I was talking to a friend about this yesterday and I was like, let's just like, hypothetically Kyle McCord doesn't win the job at Ohio state in the spring, or he's like worried he's not going to get the job and he's in the portal. I think Notre Dame would be dumb not to make a phone call, to be honest with you. Um, or, or even vice versa. Devin Brown, who's at Ohio State, decides to say, you know what, like Kyle McCord's the guy. He has he has a couple of years of eligibility, bare minimum left. I don't want to sit behind him for a couple of years. So I'm going to transfer. Notre Dame would probably be dumb not to pick up the phone there either. So there's just a lot of scenarios specifically because of this Tyler Buckner injury where I feel like, like, yeah, you're going to, there's going to be some decisions to make. And I just, you, you can't blame the staff if they're trying to bring in a safety net, at bare minimum. 
Yeah, I'm with you there. I know so we were going to wrap up on a positive note. Didn't end up really being that way, but there isn't that much positivity to be had out there. So <laughs> you want to take us out of here? Yeah, yeah, guys. Thanks for listening. I like I said at the beginning of the podcast, Nathan. You can. Or my name's Nathan Erbach, Mason Plummer. Obviously, follow, follow us on Twitter. Follow our new uh, Golden Homers um, uh, Twitter page. I didn't actually. That's probably one thing I forgot to mention at the beginning. I, I I gave away our our personal Twitters, but the the new Golden Homers Twitter page is just at Golden Homers. Follow us there. Um, a lot more content to come. We'll probably get back with you guys here sometime on Wednesday or Thursday of this week. Um, to kind of just talk more about the Cal game specifically and, and stuff like that, a much more, I guess, non-negative <laughs> podcast just because t- today had to be said, like I said, it was a therapy session and it had to be, we just kind of had to get our, our thoughts out now that we could kind of maybe think about it on a little bit more of, a, of that level versus an emotional level from, last, from, from right after the game. So, yep, follow us, guys, um, at, at the Golden Homers, and we'll talk to you guys later this week. Have a good one. Go Irish.